Welcome to Hit The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I am one of your hosts, uh, Michael, and one day hope to be able to say, insert uh, pre-approved name here, I am your father. And I'm joined this week uh, by my co-host and friend and man that is probably already ready with all the dad jokes, Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? Uh, I am sweating, Michael. It's been very, very warm these past couple of days. That's true. It's like uh, I saw it was like 101 yesterday, and I just didn't even want to think about going outside to even, you know, take the dog out on a walk because it was just so hot. Yes, if you can't stand the heat, you get out of the kitchen, right? Except that the kitchen's all the outside world. (laughs) Well, you, you set me up for dad jokes, so I had to get a cheap one in real quick. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so that, I think, will lead us right into kind of what our topic for this week is. Um, we are actually, I think this kind of came up a um, few podcasts back. Uh, we were talking around idea or talking around movies, and we discussed like, oh, this is something I got to show to my my future kids. And that just kind of, I think, kind of snowballed, in my mind at least, uh, into we should do a full topic on this, just kind of some ideas that I, you know, what I want to show my future kids, what you want to show your future kids, just, you know, these movies that were impactful to us that, you know, wanted to share with uh, the, you know, the future them. <laughs> so I think we'll just kind of run down uh, four, I think, developmental stages of a youth's life, uh, you know, kid, preteen, teen, young adult type things. Um, and, yeah, I think we'll just kind of start from there. Do you want to start us off with uh, your first choice as uh, probably what you'll show to your uh, kid, youngins in the future? The, uh, the younglings, as you could describe from based on the choice you made. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, I picked Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for this um, for a variety of reasons, I think. First and foremost, it's probably, or arguably, we'll say, the greatest comic book movie ever. Certainly, you know, in recent memory. I think Infinity War is probably the only one that really gives it a strong push, I think. And that's a debate for another time. But it's a very unique movie in terms of its visual and audio styles of its protagonist. It has a very diverse, rich past, thanks to the inclusion of Miles Morales as the lead character. But you also still get a good portrayal of Peter Parker. You get a lot of Spider-Verse, multiverse shenanigans, uh, other dimensions. Even Nicolas Cage himself has a part in this movie, and every child should experience some form of Nicolas Cage in their lifetime. So, um, yeah, man, it's just, uh, to me, it stood out because I think, you know, coming in a, of age story in a very unique superhero movie, I think this is one that a lot of kids are going to gravitate towards and they'll look back on it, I think, similarly to how our generation looked back on the movies that were, prevalence during our formative years, namely, you know, Sam, you know, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man came out when we were pretty young. Uh, so but, uh, that was the one that stood out to me. Um, 
any any thoughts any any pushback there michael no i mean i think it's 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 a great movie visually it's impressive it's interesting uh the storyline is i think really well put together and it has a nice kind of coming of age story uh that spider-man uh is kind of known for and i do really i, I mean hey i'm all about uh, indoctrinating my future child into uh, comic book nerdum as it was done to me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, the, even inside the, into the spider verse, uh, I think it can be grown upon from there talking about the artistic styles that are utilized. Uh, I know a really big part of it is like the Kirby crackle that's used throughout the multiverse shenanigans that are happening is it's a pinnacle art style that was brought forward by, you know, one of the greatest artistic, people in the comic book universe and you know as a kid they won't get that but that's like you know something to be able to point out later when it's rewatched because hopefully nostalgia has indoctrinated them into wanting to watch it again with you so i like it solid yeah. that's what you do man i mean who knows what your kids will be able <laughs> to find to watch cartoon slash animated movie wise on like netflix and other streaming platforms in five to you know seven years or whatever so you, you got to do it. You got to you got to indoctrinate them with the cartoons and the stuff that you like or else you'll just go nuts over some complete garbage that's on all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think uh, I'll, I'll go uh, and talk about the one that I want. Just kind of the uh, one of those making sure your kids start out right uh, and they aren't uh, introduced to complete garbage. I want to introduce uh, my kids. Uh, to the OG um, Star Wars, so the original three. I want to be there. I want to. I want to be the one that uh, puts that on with them. I want to be the one that watches it with them. Selfishly, part of that is is just so I can watch my kids' reaction when, kind of homage to what I was saying before in the intro. There was I want to see my kids' face when Vader says, "You know, Luke, I'm your father." You know, I am your father. Um, which I know is a misquote. He doesn't actually say it like that, but um, I I just want to see that like yeah, the the, he, the he, devastation. He, he, Star Wars nerds, he, yeah. he admitted it was a misquote. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, at this point, it's such a famous misquote that it just kind of fits so well. Um, mm -hmm. But I just I want to see that that revelation. I want to see what is arguably like a pretty big reveal if you don't know German and if you have never you know, seen a parody of that done before, which most kids um, aren't super familiar with. But I, I want to see that that reaction and see that surprise. Um, and then also it's just such a, you know, it's a good story. It, I think, is a good like trilogy that kind of happens. And obviously it probably would have to be when they're probably in the, you know, the eight, 10 year old range time frame for that it's not going to be a five uh you know a five or six year old movie to watch but yeah i i mean yeah that's right a passage for every every child to have that revelation and then the reaction that now parents like to film and put on the internet so that everybody can laugh about it but uh <laughs> that's star wars is going to be tricky man because yeah we, we talked about this during the the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, uh, finale podcast and that there's going to be, there already is, but there's going to be so many different 
iterations of different Star Wars tales by the time our kids are, you know, able to consume that type of stuff, that it could be very easy for them to have that spoiled for them at a friend's house or elsewhere. So it's going to be something like <laughs> you got to get them young. You got to make sure that they see that, you know, and again, the indoctrination so that it's not spoiled for them. And when you drop them off, you know, at their friend's house, you tell that parent, okay, I'm going to, I'll pick them up in a few hours. If you show them anything in Star Wars, I'll fucking end you. And then walk away. <laughs> I'll break I'll, I'll break both your kneecaps. Yeah. All right, see you later. <laughs> He's a good kid, I swear. <laughs> yeah, I I I agree. It's going to be it's it's only become more and more a daunting task, I feel like, going forward um, with everything that's coming out because I remember watching I remember watching Star Wars um, A New Hope in Aiken, South Carolina in my bedroom on an old VHS tape and <laughs> I remember like my, I want to say it was my mom. Yeah, I think it was my mom was the one that put it on for me. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of just hanging out in in um, my room uh, playing with Legos or something like that. And it was on there. And I remember like seeing the aliens in the cantina scene and things like that. And that yeah. was like my first introduction. But obviously that was like, like the only real media was the, you know, the original three. So at that point there was, it wasn't that hard to, only introduced me to that one thing. And I don't think she had any sort of grandiose ideas about it, but I mean, that was also one of the first movies that her and my father went and saw in theaters uh, when they were dating back in uh, college. So, you know, that, that, that kind of is a nice tie to it as well. I feel like, so we'll see, we'll see what I can do. It might, it might be ruined. It might be glorious. Who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, there was no big time internet back then. And, Certainly, you know, nothing beyond the original trilogy. The prequels were just a thought. So I, I also remember the, the three cassette box set that my parents had and the different colors of the writing on each one, depending on the title. So nostalgia, man, those were simpler times. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go forward, flip the clock forward a few years and go kind of to that preteen era uh, where maybe you're starting introducing a little bit more um, heavier topics, a little bit more um, adult themes into it. Um, I'll take the first round on this one so we can kind of alternate going through. Um, And I I feel like it's pretty good uh, thematic wise from going from Star Wars to Indiana Jones for me. Um, and specifically, again, the first three, we're not going to show that fourth one because that's just embarrassing. Um, <laughs> that, but yeah, that's that's a coaster. That's not a, that's not a movie. So. <laughs> yeah, but I think it. I think introducing kind of that the Indiana Jones movies, there is a little bit more of that adult themes. I mean, Temple of Doom, I still like. I remember watching the temple of doom and the whole like uh Kali Ma and the guy getting his heart ripped out, like doing that on the playground as a joke. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that age, um, I feel like is a pretty good introduction to that more graphic, uh, cartoonish violence that you see in the, uh, Indiana Jones movies. And it's also just a good time. And, you know, again, solid memories watching it, uh, enjoying seeing it and, yeah, I can't really. I, I mean, I don't think you're gonna. There's a counterpoint to introducing Indiana Jones to a kid. If you got one, I'd love to hear it. I mean, 
I, I was just going to rev you a little bit about being on a George Lucas kick. But that's, <laughs> all, that's all I really have. Um, yeah, I mean, not only are these classic stories that should be retold and revisited, but this is also, you know, one of the better action franchises that came out around that time. So they get a little, a little, a little more violence, as you pointed out. And I, I like that you brought up Temple of Doom because, of course, that movie is infamous for leading to the PG-13 rating because <laughs> of how horrified all the parents were about all this bloody shit that was in the <laughs> movie. The guy's heart getting ripped out among them. So, no, I think that's that's obviously another staple that, you know, is a good time to introduce that to your kids. So uh, what are yours then on that regard? So I, I feel like we're kind of uh, trying to think of the term here, uh, mirroring each other to an extent of, you know, different franchises that are along the same vein, but, you know, from different time periods um, in terms of like their influence and the impact that they had, you know, on pop culture and film. But uh of course, Lord of the Rings is obviously a preteen one that, you know, has to be on the list. That's when they came out, you know, in our lifetime, when we were entering that period of our adolescence, pre-adolescence. Um, and of course, you know, it, we talked about this too, you know, when we had Patrick on for the adaptations episode i keep referencing past episodes to try and drive more people to listen to our older stuff <laughs> so i'm just shamelessly plugging things here don't mind me but um yeah it's it still holds up so well you know even 20 years later and you know remains i think a very gripping if maybe a little overly overly drawn out uh tale and something that yeah should be on everybody's list to get that epic fantasy adventure and, you know, fill that void and you know, your kids live. But um, yeah, that, that would definitely be one of mine. Yeah. I think uh, it's kind of, it's funny that you say that we kind of are mirroring ourselves in these first, um, first two sections. Cause I think our, the next two sections, I, th I feel like start diverging quite differently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, yeah, Lord of the Rings is, I remember, um, now it's admittedly it's the Hobbit, which is, you know, very different. But I remember reading the like my mother, uh, my mother, my little brother and I driving on a road trip and we listened to the Hobbit on cassette as we were going mm -hmm. and just being fascinated by the world that was introduced and was so excited for when they announced the Lord of the Rings. Um, I feel like during that preteen era when we were coming of age and mm -hmm. it's just the 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 majesty of it, the sweeping scale of it, um, the fact that you know it can be introduced in just the theatrical cuts, and then later can be <laughs> um, introduced as an extended edition when they probably have a little bit more attention span. So yeah, it's solid stuff. I can't you know, get, there's it, nothing wrong with it. It's a it's a bold move to dive right into the extended editions <laughs> with your oh, yeah. three chains. I, I think that attention span is probably not making it past three hours. So, you know, I, I would think they'd have some negative impressions of return of the King at that time. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, 
Um, <laughs> that, that's definitely a, we're going to watch the theatrical versions. And if they're interested enough, we can rewatch the extended editions if they were like really super stoked on it. Um, <laughs> this movie is still going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said it wasn't that long. <laughs> that, wait, for, Frodo's still saying goodbye to everybody. How many endings does this have? Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the only the bold who go for extended third. So, well, that'll be a that'll be a judgment call. Come, you know, thirteen years from now, or whatever. But. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll go up to the next level, and I kind of we kind of shove these in with preteen, uh, but moving into the teenage years, uh, what? is your movie of choice for that age group then? So I have to tell you, I've struggled mightily with all of these categories of choosing just one because I thought of each age group and I was like, oh, there's so many that come to mind for each one, so many different genres and you know filmmakers that I discovered as a teenager. So hard to narrow that down. So I... I <laughs> Just throwing that out there. That was no <laughs> challenge for me. But I chose Goodfellas, and I chose that particular film for a few different reasons. Uh, one being, you know, I think the teenage years are obviously the time when they can start, you know, not just being able to, you know, watch these more mature genres and be able to handle it, but also being able to kind of comprehend, you know, the different themes and whatnot um and i think at some point if your kids like movies if they like film you're doing them a huge disservice if you aren't introducing them to scorsese so that's got to happen at some point and i picked that scorsese film because i think it probably is still his most accessible one that he's made maybe you could throw The Departed in that category as well, but Goodfellas, you know, is, you know, just from the opening, you know, when you jump in, you're just completely immersed. It has, of course, you know, some of that bloody good shit and bloody good violence that we all love. You get probably, you know, one of the better mob tales ever put to screen. And then you also, you know, get to see the master at his craft. You know, I, I think of, you know, the, the tracking shot, you know, when yeah. going into the restaurant and then he kissed me is playing and it's just all one take one shot. And, and it's things like that, that you can start to pick up on in these types of movies. I think when you're a teenager, I think preteen, maybe if you, you know, are super passionate about film or have a strong attention to detail, but I think it's those filmmaking pieces that start to jump out at you a little bit more during those teenage years so i think that would be a good time for uh multiple reasons to bring good fellas and all the mob violence it <laughs> ensues into our children's lives i mean i think um and i'm just gonna address uh, i struggle with this uh, adding movies to this list i think just as hard as you did jesse um i actually rewrote mine like three or four times like movie i've actually moved i think um the one that i had for a young adult the next one i'll talk about after this section um from the teen section and move some stuff or it was just, it was so hard just to pick you know what essentially comes down to 
four movies. I think this will be a topic we can um, <laughs> come back around to just based on how much I just, I sat there and thought about like, oh no, but there's this movie. Oh wait, but there's this movie. Oh, and then that means, oh, I'm, I'm leaving this movie out. So I think we can definitely come back and talk more about this. And yeah, I think. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. And on that regard of the Goodfellas, I think actually it's a perfect time as teenagers. I mean, uh, didn't we in high school, our junior year, I think it was junior year dress up as like with a bunch of other guys in suits as like mafia. Um, <laughs> to the delight of all of our teachers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I it was cause um, we all, yeah, it was all like black, black suits, uh, you know, on, and we all had like the same color. I think it was like red was the like overarching color theme of like the tie um, or some sort of a, uh, accent color. Yeah. I think perfectly good time at teenagers, especially good fellas. Yeah. That's it works on so many levels because you know if they are interested in the more theatrical stuff um then it has a lot of those types of really interesting storytelling mechanisms the the that one take the going through the club the whole shift of perspective when he hands when he when he hands her the gun um it just left right and center i feel like it's a really great movie on storytelling as well as the use of the film as a medium i feel like so it it works on multiple levels it's a solid choice he gets more anti-heroes as opposed to just clear-cut good versus evil so yeah that's that's why i would do it that's when i saw it for the first time so <laughs> fair um so mine it's kind of funny you talk about anti-hero mine is actually um would for this uh, for teenage years would have to be a uh, rear window by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, it's a little bit of a curve, I feel like, from the previous movies we've done where um, we've just talked about here. Um, just because it's kind of, it's a really, it's a very old movie in comparison to the rest of the fair that was put out. But I specifically remember, my mother loves uh, Turner Classic movies and she, we, she would have it on a lot of the time during, uh, you know, Saturdays, Sundays, weekends. And I remember... They were doing a Alfred Hitchcock movie marathon because it was birthday. Also, future listeners, we will be doing an Alfred Hitchcock uh, episode uh, about that same time here in the next few months. Just kind of honor him um, because more well, shameless plugging. It's shameless plugs. <laughs> um, but I remember watching. I think the very first movie I watched was in that movie marathon if I remember correctly, was um, The Birds because my mother talked about it. Uh, she told me that it was going to be on and that it was a movie that she actually went and saw. She wasn't supposed to go see it. <laughs> um, she actually, from, from what I remember, she snuck out of the house and went and saw it and was terrified by it um, in the movie theater when it came out as a young girl. Um, so she had told me this story and I was like, really like, oh my gosh, like what what movie could this be? And then uh, I watched it and at that point I had like seen other horror movies and didn't really understand that it could be so terrifying, but it was so interesting to watch that I just sat there and watched all these other ones. I, you know, we watched Psycho, Vertigo, uh, North by Northwest, all of these, but I think Rear Window really stuck out in my mind just because of the simplicity of how it was set up. Um, at that point I was getting into like how uh getting into liking theater getting into liking kind of the more 
our artistic uh, approaches that were being taken in some of these movies. And the fact that it's just like one scene or like one set, this guy in his house, he can't, or his apartment, he can't move because he's broken his leg and he's just there. And it's a, this intense thriller and just watching it was just so captivating to me that I realized as I was, re like I said, retyping this list again, that I was like, I want to be able to showcase that, you know, these older movies with my kid to be able to say, like, look at this amazing, amazing work that was done, you know, decades and decades ago and how there's still value in these very old movies that are even old for us at this point in our lives. I'm really glad that's going to be your approach to discussing film with your kids, because I always feared it would just be you yelling and then pointing out all the plot holes to them <laughs> about how upset you were. But um, Rear Window, I feel like, is one that will really test a kid's or, you know, really anybody's uh, patience when it comes to, you know, watching a movie, but also I think their uh, attention level to all the little things that you mentioned, because you could easily and it probably has been described this way, uh, call, you know, rear window slow. And it's, well, it's not, you know, it's not the plot dragging its feet or anything like that, but it's more of a slow burn because of the genre and who the guy behind the camera is. And I think, especially with old movies, and I'll talk about this a little more in a bit, you know, because they didn't have all the, fancy CGI and technology and special effects available to them. They really had to make full use of anything, any filmmaking techniques, any camera work, any lighting, <clears throat> and any lighting effects that they could utilize to its fullest extent, because otherwise, you know, there just wasn't a lot out there for them to be able to, you know, do the little things incredibly well in these movies. So, it's a great, it's a great choice. It's going to weed out among your kids who really love movies and who doesn't though, in life. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think so. I think it's either going to be uh, a, you know, a picturesque Saturday of us all chilling, watching the movie together, or it's going to be a ordeal of get off your future technology child and watch this amazing movie and it's gonna say, but dad, it's so boring. Nothing's happening. Uh -huh. So yeah. <laughs> At that point, they'll have the iPhones that are probably directly in their eyeballs, like from Futurama. So <laughs> who, who's to know when our kids will be on their devices or not? Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. And I think uh, so we'll go on from teen to uh, young adults um, I want to give this age group its own kind of um, bracket just because it's important I feel like you know it's that you know 18 you know 17 18 age range um, 19 where they're actually starting to I feel like really develop into their own starting to develop into who you'd be as a person going forward um, and so mine for this age group was it this is actually when I had put in teenager, but then wanted to shift um, is actually Tron um, again, an old movie um, and kind of like you were saying, the 
whole effects of CGI and modern ways of, you know, putting together movies. Uh, it was so different from what is, you know, so different from where it was at the start of it. These were like the first times that they were rendering CGI um, as it can be considered today. I even watched a YouTube video. Um, I talked about them uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Corridor Crew, uh, they do a lot of CGI stuff. They're a digital effects house out in California, but they actually recreated the light cycle um, scene from Tron with modern technology and actually talked about a lot of how like when these guys are putting this stuff together, they couldn't actually see what they were doing. So as we understand, you know, digital effects today is that you can manipulate and see the thing you're doing on screen. They couldn't, they actually had to enter like code and do math and uh, all these different things. And they had to like subtract from shapes to get these uh, kind of uh, the, what we know as the scene. And it's just such an elaborate process that had to be put together. Plus the interesting ways that they did the costumes. It's just such an overall visually impressive piece that I feel like this will be, this will definitely have to be a test the waters, see how nerdy the kid actually is. And um, again, I have strong ties to this. I remember watching this movie right when we were leaving um, South Carolina to come move here to Colorado um, with my parents and it was on the TV. And I remember um, my dad saying like, he's like, Oh, like this is a, he's like, Oh, this is a really cool movie. Like you should watch it while we're getting ready to move. And I just got, I think I just got, I just remember being like so blown away by all the cool things that were happening. Obviously at the time it was, you know, 1990. Five, no, 1997. And so technology, ha I was still getting introduced to, you know, N64 stuff. So it was pretty mind blowing to see all that stuff happen on the screen in that CGI universe. Absolutely. I mean, Tron is, I feel like kids watch Tron now and they have one of two reactions. They go, oh, you know, much in the same vein that you did. That I, you know, I'm blown away by all this, or it's like, what is all this freaking pixelated crap? And why are all these computers so freaking giant, you know, or <laughs> something like that? <laughs> so, just not even understanding the concept of the technology. But um, it's, I feel like it's one of those more underrated ones in terms of the contributions it made to, you know, sci fi, to special effects to, you know, just adventure in general, um, as we see it on screen nowadays. And, you know, one of those, one of those gems that I feel like a lot more people than we think are going to roll out to their kids. And I'm very curious about what its legacy will be 20 years from now, after the next generation has had a chance to experience it. So, but at adulthood, you know, that's when, you know, you start making those conscious decisions about, of course, you know, do I really want to go deeper into film or do I just want to, you know, stream whatever's trending on Netflix at the time? Um, so that will that will always be there for those who seek it, kind of like the holy grail of sorts <laughs> of that genre. Um, yeah. So that, that's a good one. Good choice. Thanks. <laughs> All right. And uh, what's your last one? So I went with... 
12 angry men for this. And I spoke a little bit about the difficulty, I think, for old movies to resonate with, you know, the latest generation. And I think that's also partly because old movies kind of have the habit of taking a little time to get to the point or not having a super great hook, not because it's not a compelling story or that there's anything necessarily wrong with the film. But I feel like in those days, because, you know, we didn't have all our distractions and our devices. And of course the filmmakers didn't have access to the technology and the things that they do nowadays. You know, it was, it was really more, everything was a lot more slow burning with, you know, older films. So it can be easy to pull up a classic film for the first time and, watch the first 20 or 25 minutes and be like, dude, I have no fucking idea what's supposed to be happening in this movie, like at all. <laughs> to no discredit of the filmmakers, but just how the story itself is presented. 12 Angry Men is not like that. 12 Angry Men gets right to the point. It's very direct about what's at stake here and what's going to be playing out over the next 90 minutes or so. And it's one of those rare older movies, too, that doesn't really feel that dated because you just have a panel of jurors all arguing this case in, you know, their their secret room or whatever. <laughs> but uh, you can't really tell because, you know, it's inside, you know, a government building. They're all wearing suits for the most part. You know, they, of course, don't have you know cell phones or anything, but. Otherwise, you know, it, it still holds up pretty well. And I think the themes that are explored here, you know, racism, the justice system, what our actual priorities are for, you know, seeking the outcomes that we do, um, I think those all hold up as well. So I think that's a tale that's going to continue to resonate with people, even though it's, you know, getting close to, you know, I think 75 years we're, we're, we're encroaching that point in the nearest future. But uh, yeah, I, so that would be one that, you know, I would recommend to my kids if they got into adulthood. I'd certainly the same for others as well. And old movies like that, I feel like when you reach adulthood, you also have a little more patience for movies like that. So even though 12 Angry Men could certainly be watched and enjoyed by a preteen or a teenager, I think. It's, you know, also one that's going to continue to stand out. But I think adults that, you know, truly do love film and cinema and, you know, want to explore more of, you know, some of the pioneers who paved the way to what we have today, um, they'll, they, at that point in their lives, have a little more patience to do so. And I, so I think that's the time where, old older you know classic movies are i think a little easier to digest yeah i agree it's definitely in the, the, the that same age group that we're talking about here when i was able to access media um pretty regularly i was you know taking up trash garbage media as well but i feel like every once in a while i was i would stumble upon a true gem or something that really made me evaluate how I was living my life in 
in terms of what I was viewing. And I feel like I think I, I feel like I saw this movie about that time. I think I was in college is when I saw it because yeah. we were talking about it. It was um, we were talking about a play or something like that. And someone had referenced it. And I at that point hadn't seen it. And so I think I went and found it because I was curious because it was probably for some sort of research purposes that I did it. But mm -hmm. it you're right. I think it, I wouldn't have been able to watch that if I was younger and been able to really get into it. And as an adult, I still like, was like, okay, wow, this is, this is right where we're starting. Cool. All right. Mm -hmm. Premise understood. Let's, let's fire on all pistons. Let's move forward. Um, and I, I think it's good to kind of introduce these types of movies that are older, that are important to see where, you know, these directors came from to see where people got inspiration for later work and to be able to know where they're coming from, because, you know, how many times uh, are references made by current directors about stuff they watched and they grew up as kids. And it shows you how important that information is that artistic vision to continue forward. Yeah, I mean, Lumet was just such a master of his craft, too. And we talk about filmmaking techniques, you know, when we were discussing Rear Window. And just the way, you know, the camera angles, depending on who holds the power or who has the advantage in the debate in the room. And just little things like that, that I feel like are also really easy to miss, you know, as a preteen or a teenager, because, you know, you have million other distractions going on in your life <laughs> at the time that I think are more readily absorbed and observed by adults. Now, that's not to say that, you know, a preteen won't come along and just absolutely all of that up and, you know, seek out more because, of course, that happens too. But I think this is the period of your life where either you really are, you know, hardcore about you know learning as much about filmmaking as you can and want to seek out stuff like this or you're good as you know we said with just checking out you know the newest thing on disney plus or whatever the hell the streaming platforms will be <laughs> who, who knows but that's that's the divergence i think where and that's why yeah that's why i put it here because i think it's that's an appropriate time no, it's solid. I think, yeah. And uh, I, you know, I, I think this might be something we might do here in the future again as another episode, just because I even looking through just even the, the filmography, uh, seeing like Murder on the Orient Express as uh, one that popped up. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about like that as a great movie that came out in the 1970s and then the fact that it was redone and then what that means just to be even showcase that as well as all the other movies that didn't make it to the list, but definitely should be on the list. Um, I think it will be a topic that we can revisit easily. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, how many times has 12 angry men been, you know, adapted and to theater or to in another film or whatever, like it, it's everywhere. Mm hmm. But yeah, I think that's uh, I think that really just kind of wraps us up here, Jesse. I mean, do you have any other uh, closing thoughts before we uh, finish up the episode? 
I guess to all the parents out there who are listening to this and like, hey, what the fuck are these guys talking about? There's no way I'm showing my kids that at that age. I feel like we did a good job here of, you know, uh, taking into account the appropriate times to show these movies to your kids. But uh, also, you know, not to limit them because, you know, everybody's different and, you know, there might be, you know, you might have a prodigy on your hands who wants all the Hitchcock and all the Lumet and he's not even old enough uh, for sex education yet. You, you never know. So uh, it's a, it's more of a guide than anything else. Perfect. Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah, this is not a set of rules. It's yeah. More of a guidelines. We're just, <laughs> we're just a couple of guys, you know, what do we know? So. Yeah. I, I mean, both of us don't have kids. What this is, this is all hypotheticals. We could, you know, it could all change vastly and differently once we actually have kids. And then that from that point, we could be like, why was I ever thinking that Indiana Jones was a good movie to show to a preteen? Jeez, this is so much more violent than I remember. <laughs> All I'm saying is, parents, if you haven't already, you better show the original Star Wars to your kids soon before it's spoiled for them or before George Lucas or Disney makes more alterations to the original. So <laughs> do, do it now before it's too late. I would say, yeah, actually, it's funny that I was just, I was thinking about that as I was typing this in and being like, how 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 original am I going to try to get with these original movies? Is it going to be like trying to dredge up some sort of uh, VHS tape of, you know, before any sort of alterations happen? And then that means getting a VHS player and then explaining what VHS was to a child. And um, that whole experience would be in, in itself a quite unique place to start <laughs> that's going to be a very fun conversation especially in today's age where digital media is already on the way out so yeah i think i think i saw a physical, physical yeah physical media i even saw i think i saw on that you know thinking about seeing a like toddler it was like handed like an old um like game boy color and then watching the kid like furiously touch the screen and like try to swipe on it and things like that and just not under like because now everything is touch screens that's handheld and yeah times change and hopefully you know being able to showcase some of these movies that we grew up on will be able to help our future kids understand a little bit more about us and hopefully establish some sort of good rapport with them or they'll just be super bored and on the set device for the whole amount of time so Hey, 50 50 shot. You know, I can't, I can't ask That's, for anything better. Never tell me the odds. Right. <laughs> exactly. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for listening to hit the real podcast, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. Uh, we try to get them out uh, weekly on Saturdays, if not Friday or Sunday, it really depends on how much I drink over the weekend um, with me being the one that edits them. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to uh, weigh in on a particular topic or would like to suggest an episode or even decide that you would like to come on, Feel free to email us at hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, uh, even if it's just something to tell us that we did something wrong. We're always, always looking to improve ourselves. 
And those listeners that have been uh, faithfully joining us for a couple of weeks now as we've been doing these episodes, please feel free to share out our podcast with others uh, that you might think would be interested. Um, We are trying to grow our audience and develop our podcast here into a little bit something bigger. So any little bit of help can always be greatly appreciated. So uh, again, thank you so much for listening to us. And hey, like always, keep it real. Thank you.